We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Bill 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68. After Dark. All right. Welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman. I'm joined by. None other than the Hall of Famer himself, Jim Beheim, for former Syracuse coach. And we got the perfect guy tonight. We got Jarrell McNeil, <laughs> uh, former Marquette great after Marquette's, uh, I don't want to say stinker, but it was not the greatest performance at Providence tonight. The Friars win. Memphis has a huge victory over Virginia. We'll go through that. We'll talk about Indiana, another scare against the low major team. What does that mean for Mike Woodson? I want to find out from Beheim what he thinks of uh, the roster construction of that Indiana team without a lot of shooters. But let's start out uh, with that Providence win at the Amp, formerly known as the Dunk, against Marquette. And uh, we got to start with the Golden Eagle here. We got to start with you, Jarrell. What was your take on this game overall? Obviously, we know Providence is really tough to beat at home. But Marquette never even put any game pressure on him in the second half, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it goes to show you one of the beautiful things just about this game and just how big of a swing and impact uh, home court advantage is in college basketball. And uh, and like you said, Jeff, uh, Providence has one of the best ones uh, in the country, to be honest. It's one of the hidden gems in the Big East Conference. Nobody enjoys going there to play. And it's always uh, tough to come out of there with a win. You have to play at a really high level and kind of mistake-free basketball. But uh, this was a game, like you said, uh, it wasn't wasn't really ever in doubt. Uh, Marquette, I felt like, came in a little bit, uh, sleepwalking a little bit. Uh, not really prepared, I would say this in this aspect, not prepared for just the physicality of uh, of conference play. Uh, and I think that's I think that's a big difference uh, from out of conference play. You know, the refs are going to let guys be physical, especially in the Big East Conference. They're going to let guys get a little bit more physical. It was a little bit more 
rugged game. Uh, it was really physical inside, and Providence, uh, the advantage kind of leaned toward them uh, early on. And uh, Marquette made some pivotal mistakes, I felt like, in the first half and really throughout the course of the game, man. Uh, a lot of fouls on jump shooters, guys shooting three-pointers, uh, running in, hitting elbows, uh, sloppy closeouts. And to be honest with you, it was never out of reach, but, uh, you know, until they got – down the stretch there in the second half and they just weren't able to put together enough enough stops and runs to make a a, a real comeback there at the end but um you know marquette is going to be a team this year and i hope this if if nothing else is going to just kind of be another wake-up call i thought it was going to be the last game that they lost on the road versus wisconsin but at the same time that's a rivalry game so you kind of never know uh what you get in that situation but this is going to be night in, uh, night out for Marquette this year. Uh, they're they're moving they're they're moving in a direction now after last year where they essentially were a team that was uh, nobody was expecting anything out of, and they and they turned a lot of heads and were able to come out and have a really great run and win the Big East Conference, the regular season, and the Big East tournament. Uh, even though UConn ended up winning the national championship, it was just a major stepping stone for the program. But uh, going into this year, the the, the role is going to change a little bit. They're going to be the hunted night in, night out. And uh, you got to give uh, Providence and Kim English uh, credit for their game plan going into the game. It seemed like they were all locked in and they knew exactly what, what type of game they wanted it to be so that they have opportunity to win. But uh, each and every team in the Big East tonight, man, uh, throughout this season is going to be laying for Marquette, uh, especially with so many of them just kind of floating along here, uh, kind of on the cusp of not having a lot of ton of quality wins, but uh, still won enough games to be, uh, you know, considered a, a, a solid team. So all of these guys, all of these teams in the Big East are going to be laying for Marquette, especially at home or when Marquette has to go on the road to try to steal and get quality victories. Yeah, I mean, listen. Is, Providence, Jeff, is yeah. the show over? Yeah. The show over now? The show is not over. How about this? <laughs> Providence's record, Jim. Providence's record at the AMP, which was formerly the dunk, 44 and three in their last 47 games. Those those students, and I give Ed Cooley a lot of credit because he got that place rocking. I know when yeah. you played them years ago, obviously they had it going for a while. Then it was kind of, you know, under under Tim Welsh, it was okay. Keno Davis, they struggled. Cooley got it back. And those fans, those students are out of their minds. It's always been a tough place to play for us. I know when we went up there, that was always sold out, and it was always a very tough game. Uh, going back to uh, Rick Patino and then Rick Barnes, uh, Pete Gillen, you know, they were <laughs> – it was a loud, tough place to play. But I think the game today, the two games today, really, the, the Memphis game and the Marquette game, is home court advantage – you really got to have a really, really good team to go in and win uh, on the road in, in these tough places. Um, it's just, you know, some teams can do it, and the teams that can do it will end up being the really good teams at the end of the year. I was impressed when Clemson went to uh, Memphis this last, last weekend, and they had two or three chances to win the game. So I think Memphis is really good, and I think that – Clemson showed that they're really good, and uh, Virginia showed that they can struggle when they they can't get to the basket. They can't get shot. Their offenses, they struggled against Northeastern the other day. Really struggled the whole game. 
So their 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 offense is their defense is always going to be good, but their offense uh, certainly has struggled. And uh, I thought Providence not only was at the home court, but they made a lot of shots when it was fairly close. They just started making shots, and Marquette missed a few. And that's all it takes on the road. Three or four threes go in, and you miss three or four, and all of a sudden you're down 16 points. And that's pretty much what happened in the game. So here's my take part on the Tyler Cullick and nine rebounds today. And you love to see that out of a smaller point guard like that because, again, this is a kid coming home. Providence didn't recruit him. You or I didn't recruit him. And he's a Rhode Island kid. They both passed on him out of high school. Um, so he had nine rebounds tonight. I think he's the best point guard in the country. I, but again, Jarrell, if he has nine rebounds, what is that saying for the rest of the team on Marquette? To me, it's saying like, no, no, you got some six, five, six, seven dudes there. You got to get in and get, you know, get in there and mix it up a little bit more. Your little point guard should not be getting nine rebounds. No, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's obviously a great credit to Tyler. Uh, I think part of the reason why I love him so much is just because his because of his competitive fire. So him going to get nine at his size, being a point guard, tells you how much he wants to win, how much he's willing to compete. But like you said, Jeff, uh, some of these other guys that kind of got to come along and uh, join the party. And like and like I was saying, it, it can't just be Oso. Uh, Oso, to be honest with you, isn't uh, just going to win the size matchup night in, night out. There are a lot more guys that are going to have him, especially on the weight side of things. You know, he's tall, but he's not the, the, the biggest guy physically. So, uh, you know, he's down there. He's going to do his part. He's going to battle. He's trying to scrape out six to eight rebounds a game. Uh, but Kolek is our second leading rebounder, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, I think the biggest thing with that, and uh, like I said, just not to be critical, but, uh, you know, we all expecting, at least all the Marquette fans were expecting this to be a major season for uh, for David Joplin. And uh, I think Jop needs to come to the parlay. And it's not just his offense. We know what he's capable of, scoring the ball and making shots from the outside, man. But we need him to kind of be in that O-Max role that, that, we, that we're missing from this year, the guy that's uh, with the Mavs now, uh, and just getting the mix a little bit more and come out with uh, you know, I think four to six rebounds a game for a guy that's six six or six seven isn't too much to ask for. So uh, you know, we definitely need Job to step up, and then we got to get healthy as well too. Uh, Chase Ross went down with a scary one tonight, but he was able to uh, he was able to bounce back. Uh, and then we got to get Stevie Mitchell back in that lineup as well too, who's been out the last couple of games with a hamstring injury. All right, Jim. So right oh. now, <laughs> I think UConn and Marquette are like the co-favorites coming into the night. Tonight, they were, they were both basically even in terms of uh, the Vegas line, okay? Uh, who are you taking now? I mean, again, I think Marquette's got the best point guard in the country, and I love Cam Jones, one of the best shooters, scores, does it quietly, but, man, you kind of know what you're going to get from him most nights. I think I like UConn now, though. I just don't think UConn has many weaknesses. Again, defending champs, they play hard as shit. They just – they got kind of everything, and, and – I don't know. I don't know what they're missing right now from UConn. Well, first of all, I got to go back one second. Joe Girard, 5'10 and a half or 11 of them, got nine rebounds against Memphis on the weekend. <laughs> so it must be must be a point guard thing all of a sudden that uh, they're getting a lot of rebounds. But uh, I thought Connecticut was better way before this. I thought uh, – 
even the, the Kansas game, which, you know, Kansas had to make four threes in a row at the end of the game to win. And we all know how tough it is to win there. They go out to Gonzaga and win pretty easily. And uh, they beat somebody else pretty easily. Uh, forget who right now. But uh, I think Connecticut's the, maybe the best team in the country. I mean, really. I mean, I, I think you can easily make the case for them. And they still haven't got uh, Castle back at, you know, full strength. I mean, he's coming back. But, uh, you know, they got the guy in the middle, and he's pretty darn good. And they got guys that can shoot, and they got physical guys, tough guys. And, by the way, they won the national championship last year. So I I, I like Connecticut right now over everybody I've seen. Uh, I think Purdue's, even though they lost that game, I think Purdue's good. I think they're better than they were last year because of the addition of the kid from Southern Illinois. So, and the extra year for their two guards. So I think they're better. Edie's better. Um, But I still like Connecticut overall. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I think now I've got UConn in that mix. To me, it's kind of Purdue, Arizona, uh, UConn are the three teams for me that you know, because you're looking at it in a way of are, who has the fewest amount of holes at this point. And Purdue, I saw the other night, beat Arizona in Indianapolis. And Braden Smith, to me, has taken such a jump forward as a point guard now looking to score, not just facilitate, not just keep everybody happy. Remember, he had, he had two Jones fractures uh, his senior in high school. So last year as a freshman, he didn't do anything until September so I, I think Purdue's right there. I think they're a much better team than they were a year ago, you know, largely because of Braden Smith, their point guard. Arizona, again, if that game is played in, in Phoenix or Vegas like it'll be next year, I'm not sure you don't flip that that final score like you're saying, Jim. Yeah. You know, the, the home yeah. court advantage means so much. That was a Purdue crowd, probably 85%. And you could tell the kids just feed off in college – so much more than they do in the NBA. Right, Jarrell? Didn't you? Go. No, abso- ahead, absolutely. And this and it's a it's a major it's a major swing. Uh and and <clears throat> you have those momentum shifts throughout the course of the game. Uh whether it be big shots, uh big defensive possessions, a block, a dunk, whatever it is, where it feels like you know, obviously it's only a two-point play or a three-point play, but it feels like more than that constantly. And, uh, you know, that pressure for opposing teams on the road, you can feel that as well too because, you know, it, it feels the same way for the uh, for the opposition on the other side, man. But uh, just those swings in the college basketball in general is one of the beautiful things about it. You get a team to come in and play a – uh, a tough game in a hostile environment on the road with a good crowd, with a decent team, uh, you, you'll have a shot to win, especially if you're able to keep the game close down the stretch in the second half. Jim? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's you look around the country now and you see, uh, so we've talked about this, there's some crazy scores, you know, somebody beats somebody, then they get, they get beat by somebody. It's just, it's college basketball. Uh, it's part of it's the youth uh, transfer portal, um, but you just see so many discrepancies in games, and you just wonder, you know, how does this happen? How does Georgia Tech beat Duke 
Mississippi State and, uh, you know, transfer portal. They got transfer guys, a couple of veterans, and, um, but there's, you can give a hundred, you can give 10 or 15 examples of teams that have really helped themselves through the transfer portal. They're one of them. Yeah, another one, the Memphis Tigers, who just yeah. beat Virginia tonight. Penny's team went yeah. from young a few years ago. We'll talk about them next. They are old and experienced. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Jeff Goodman here with the Hall of Famer, Jim Beheim, former Marquette uh, star guard, Jarrell McNeil. And the Memphis Tigers, they have won three straight against ranked teams for the first time since 2007-2008, the NCAA tournament, uh, during that, that special run that uh, ended um, a little uh, sadly for those Memphians. Uh, they beat at Texas A&M, they won. They beat an undefeated Clemson team that Jim was talking about before with his guy, Joe Girard. And tonight they smacked Virginia and they put up 77 against a Virginia team that does not give up 77 very often. They were second in the, in the country in scoring defense, averaging 
uh, giving up about 53 points a game. They also were turning the, the ball over eight times a game. They had 18 tonight, 18. Uh, David Jones, the uh, former DePaul, former St. John's, uh, it's hard to keep track of all those Memphis players because they're all in their third school at Memphis. Uh, he has been an All-American type player. He had 26 tonight. He's averaging 24 uh, in six over the last five games. I was skeptical a little bit on Penny a year ago. As recently as a year ago, I came out and said, listen, is he the right guy for this job long term? I know the city loves him, but is getting into the NCAA tournament enough for Memphis? Well, he's got a team right now that I think has a chance to go deep in the NCAA tournament because they are old. They're experienced. They've got Javon Quinterly, who's been around for a while. They've got a star on the on the wing and David Jones. And oh, by the way, they got a reinforcement coming. They got another dude coming in Naquan Tomlin, transferred from Kansas State. He was a key piece of that team that was in the Elite Eight last year. Uh, he just joined the, the team. Uh, he can practice, but he's not cleared yet until they get all his papers from uh, graduating. He didn't play this past semester at Kansas State because he was suspended. All right, so tell me, Jim, what your thoughts were with Penny Hardaway being hired and if you had all thought that maybe, you know, it wasn't going to work out with him. I thought it was a great hire. I thought right away he got players. He's a proven recruiter. And uh, I think they struggled, you know, with young guys and uh, trying to put the team together with so many different young guys over the last couple of years. And, I, I, you know, this year, these guys are playing physical, tough defense right from the gun. And they're winning games. With it. They don't really – I mean, they can score, but they don't really depend on scoring. They can stop people. And I, I think that's – that they haven't been able to do that at, at uh, Memphis since Penny's been there. But you watch them this year. Uh, they can beat anybody. They can play with anybody, and they're so physical. They can take you right out of the stuff you do. I mean, Clemson's really good, and they had a good chance to win the game, but at the end, Memphis just imposed their defense on them, and they just made it hard for Clemson to score, and uh, they did the same thing with Virginia. And to go to Texas A&M and win, that's, that's a very difficult place to go to win. So this is a for real team and uh, they're, they're, he's doing a great job with this team. No question in my mind, no question about that. Jarrell, what did you think of tonight's performance uh, from Memphis? Because again, it was close early and then they just pulled away and blasted a Virginia team that I'm not sure how talented they are, uh, but they're a little bit younger Certainly the Memphis, most teams are younger than Memphis. So what did you think of, of kind of this game overall? Yeah, it was one of those games, and it was a, it was an impressive win by Memphis, just them leading uh, pretty much uh, start to finish. And, uh, you know, obviously they were there getting on the door uh, consistently throughout the second half. Uh, get, they kept getting the lead to around 13 points. 12 points, 10 points, and, uh, you know, they were just kind of letting Virginia hang around for a minute. They finally got that big run. Uh, I think they went on like a 13-0 run with almost about nine minutes left in the game. 
And, uh, you know, that just gave him the separation. But it was really impressive, uh, kind of just like what Coach Beheim said. Uh, they, they're able to get stops on the defensive end. They, they're not going to necessarily blow teams away with their offense. Uh, they don't shoot the ball great from outside consistently on a night-in, night-out basis. They got a really good player in uh, David Jones and uh, probably going to be an All-American just the way he's been performing this year. But outside of that, uh, it's a lot of question marks just as far as offensive production, but they're relying on their defense and their principles and just how hard they play, and they're able to work together uh, to get big wins. And they just wore Virginia down tonight. They were getting stop after stop. They did a really good job of pushing in transition and uh, you know not letting another good defensive team in Virginia just get their defense set consistently. But, man, it's just been an impressive string of wins here for, uh, for Penny and the Memphis Tigers, man. So I'm excited to see where they take it from here. Yeah, me too. I, I really do think they have a chance to do some damage. Uh, again, because of the you know point guard play, a great wing, and then Tomlin coming in is going to help. And I think he's still getting over an ankle injury, so I don't know how quickly he's going to be able to come back. It may take a little bit here, even if he does come back, uh, to get back to what he was because he hasn't played uh, in a while. But you know, you look at Memphis too, and you know sometimes one game can kind of change your season one way or the other. And they had lost to Villanova. Uh, they had lost at Ole Miss in a very, very tight game. And then they go to VCU, and they're on the ropes against VCU in regulation. In fact, they, they could have lost that game if one of VCU's players hits a layup. I think it was a layup or a free throw at the end of the game. And they end up winning in overtime. And then after that, again, these three wins. And you wonder, like, the psyche of these kids – how it could have changed if you lose that game at VCU, Jim, and that's losing three straight games. You know, it, you know how fragile this thing is. You never know. You can't really tell with teams. And, you know, but the way Memphis is playing, um, uh, these are not surprising wins to me. I thought uh, even the Clemson game, even though it was very close, I thought they really had control of the game. Even, uh, Hall was a little bit of a problem, as he will be for everybody in the low post. But once they kind of kept it out of his hands, um, they they looked like the better team. And obviously tonight they look like the better team. And I just think they're going to get better. I, I just think they play so hard and they've got a couple guys that can score, but they defend you. They really defend you and they get the ball on the backboards and they're capable of pushing it down the court. They're really good, really good basketball team. And I think as the year unfolds, you know, we're going to see some teams step up. You're going to see uh, some teams step up, and you're going to see some other teams that you know are not ten and one or eleven and one right now, non-conference, and they're going to get their they're going to get their butts beat when they get in a conference play. It happens every year, every year. Somebody's so, picking up. Here's my question to you about Virginia. All right, so we know how good a coach Tony Bennett is. I don't want to give you the numbers while you're in the ACC, but, man, his his regular season numbers were insane while you were there, while Kay was there, while Roy was there. It was crazy. Um, and don't, forget, those, yeah. don't forget those teams were all really good then. North Carolina, right. Duke, yes. uh, Florida That's State right. were all really good then. So I don't think here, – here's what I'll say. 
And I had a long conversation with Tony Bennett about this actually at the PTM this past July, which we miss you at the PTM, Jim. Uh, maybe I'll come back and make a cameo next year. Maybe I'll make a cameo just to show up. Um, he doesn't have as much talent on this team. They're, they're, they're younger than most teams, as we said. They're a lot younger than Memphis. The talent level isn't what it was. If Reese Beekman is your best player, which he's a really nice player, but to me, he's great as like your number two guy. Right now, he's kind of got to be your number one. I wonder, Jim, whether Tony Bennett eventually gets frustrated with NIL, with everything else that is changing with the game, and Tony is one of the first ones to go at a young age. Like Jay Wynn at 60, Jay Wright. I think Tony's probably my age right now. He's probably around 50-ish. Um, I wonder if, if, if this could chase Tony Bennett out because this is this isn't what Tony Bennett's about yeah I mean I'm not going to speak for Tony I have great respect for him uh he's the best defensive coach in the country I think year in and year out consistently um I don't think his talent levels anywhere near this year what it's been and I think Beekman's a very good player but there's a pretty big drop off uh, don't forget, they lost, what, three or four seniors from last year's team at the forward spot, point guard. They lost the big center who decided to, to leave. Um, no, their talent level is not the same. As far as Tony, um, yeah, the NIL is a problem for him. He's not, I don't think he's on board with any part of that. Um, uh, but, you know, that's, College athletics right now, you got to get on board with it. Um, Jim, a lot of coaches, you could speak to this without saying names specifically. I tell people this all the time. Coaches can't come out publicly. You can now, but coaches can't come out publicly while they're coaching and say that they're against NIL because they're not going to get players. So everybody's got to be pro-NIL when you're a head coach or else you're not going to get any, any recruits, right? You have to be, and and I'm not against NIL. It's just not at this level where guys are getting seven or eight hundred thousand dollars to play in college. Um, you know, it's not what NIL was intended for, and there's been no guardrails put on, and I don't think they can be put on by Congress or anybody else. There's just no stopping this, and when boosters are involved, they want to win. And some boosters have $200, $300 million. A couple, three, four, five million dollars is nothing to them. So uh, this is only going to keep going. And uh, I mean, football teams are getting 10 or $15 million for a team for a year. And basketball is, you know, three, four, and five million. That's where it is. And if you want to compete, that's where you have to go. You can still have a decent team without huge NIL money, but it's it's not easy. It's it's not going to be easy for sure. Hey Jim, can can I ask you one question? All right, so so I think the best hire. There were some great hires this past offseason. All right, great hires. Cooley, you know, Patino, all these guys. I think the best hire might have been Slick Rick Stansberry by Penny Hardaway. The, the, the most feared recruiter in the industry was hired by Penny, and it's paid off quickly. 
Well, first of all, they're playing great basketball. They're winning on the court. I don't. I again, I haven't followed recruiting this year that much. I don't think their guys are that highly profiled guys. Really? No, but he got the David Jones. He got yeah, David Jones. He, he helped yeah, get Quinterly. He He's got Tom. Rick Lynn. didn't want David Jones. <laughs> it's not like people wanted David Jones. Quinterly, I don't know. I don't know how many. You know, I mean, and they're good, but I just think I just think they're coaching them. That's what I think. All they're right, they're we'll, coaching. Them. We'll, we'll come really back. Good. Listen, we'll come back after. We're going to talk the Indiana Hoosiers, Jim. They're struggling. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today all right jeff goodman here with jim Beheim, jerrell mcneil field of 68 after dark and it's time to talk about vaulted vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee it's the place to store your own bowl predictions forever and by using the vaulted challenge feature you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app and give it a try for free. Vaulted is spelled V-L-T-E-D, and it is the app to challenge your friends, store your predictions, and join daily cash prize pools without any entry fee. Download Vaulted today. Uh, my Vaulted challenge is going to be for the Indiana men's basketball team, whether or not they can make more than five threes in any game the rest of the season. Uh, tonight, they made three. They were three for 16. They are uh, one of the worst teams. Uh, there you have it. Uh, BYU is the, the best team in the country. They make 12 and a half threes a game. Indiana makes 3.6. They are 349th out of 351 teams. If you want to know, IUPUI ranks dead last at 3.3 uh, per game. They have struggled against Florida Gulf Coast at home, Army at home, Wright State at home, Harvard at home. I was at that Army, Army game, by the way. Moorhead State. In case you didn't know, Jim, my daughter goes to Indiana, so I give about fifty grand a year uh, to the uh, the Indiana uh, University uh, fund there. So I'm, I'm out. I was at the Kansas game the other night. They looked great. They looked terrific. They didn't make or take a lot of threes, but they looked terrific and almost beat Kansas Jarrell. And then they go out and they lay this stinker. They win, which is great. They've won all these games against low majors. So I guess that's the the saving grace for Mike Woodson and, and Hoosiers fans. 
But how worried are you when, when a team keeps winning these games and playing with fire? How worried are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty worried, and I think it's been the same thing with Indiana all year. They've, uh, they struggled to make shots from the outside. They don't have a ton of guys on their roster who, uh, who you're gonna be chasing out to the three point line and not sagging in and playing off, uh, in the half court offense. So it's gonna, it's gonna kind of take a shot and ruin your spacing and your ability for some of your better drivers to get downhill and try to get into the lane and get easy opportunities or even draw fouls and get to the free throw line more. So I'm definitely worried about it. But at the end of the day, uh, they won. They somehow escaped and won another game they were supposed to win. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely hoping, though, for their sake that they'll look a lot closer to how they looked in that game against Kansas at home. Uh, you know, once a Big Ten play kind of resumes here as well, too. So, I mean, I think they're bad. How bad is the question? Uh, I guess it'll be at least offensively. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see here shortly. Hey, Jim, I, I got a stat for you. You ready? They're number three on Ken Palm in luck. Now, first of all, <laughs> I, I want to know <laughs> – what do you know about Ken Palm? Have you ever met Ken Pomeroy and have you ever been on Ken Palm's website? I've never met him. I don't believe in most of the stuff he does. Some of it is, is good, but most of it you can know without going on the website to look because like, uh, you don't need to look to see that Indiana is not a good shooting team. You don't need to go on any website to see that, you know, you just watch them play and you see them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Indiana's – you, you, to win the games they've won is pretty good the way they've shot the ball. And uh, they're not going to be able to keep winning games as they move forward. But then they have the game with Kansas they easily could have won, and Kansas is as good as anybody they're going to play for the rest of the year probably. So it's hard to, to kind of figure – you can't blame – you can't – when a team wins a close game against a team they're supposed to be by a lot, you just can't say, "Well, they're terrible." You just—they won the game. That's what they did. But they're going to have to—they're going to have to shoot better. There's no question about that. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, and Woodson recently—I'm going to give you a quote because people have been harping on and asking about it all the time, right? And he said, "Guys, I'm going to say this for the last time: we take enough threes. We just have to make what we take." And I understand what he's saying, Jarrell. I get what he's saying. It's like, listen, we're not built to take a ton of threes. Moorhead State tonight was 10 of 34. And most of these teams that come in are just thinking, hey, listen, if we can make 10 and shoot 30%, we're going to have a chance to, to beat Indiana. But, you know, for me, it's more about the roster construction. And when you're putting together a team right now in 2023, and you coach in the state of Indiana also, by the way, um, I would say you're going to want to have multiple shooters, multiple guys, and I wouldn't put it together with a team full of, of fours and fives, which is what I think their strength is right now with Khalil Ware, with Malik Renew, with uh, Mackenzie Mbako. You know, they're all, like, capable of shooting a three, but that's not what you want from them, so the spacing isn't there. And they're without Xavier Johnson, who's probably their best three-point shooter. Um, so in defense to them, they don't have their point guard, their veteran point guard and their best three-point shooter. But again, the <laughs> roster construction for me is what really worried me in the offseason, and it's really come to fruition. 
Is Xavier Johnson like what thirty? Is he thirty years old? I remember him playing against me when I was still had lots of time left <laughs> to go in my career. Uh, and he true. really wasn't hey, a good. Was good. Hey, and he wasn't was good a good shooter then. He right. wasn't a good shooter then either. So I don't know. Maybe he has a hitch more- in his shot, but it it yeah. actually goes in. He's Listen, got kind of you can win without shooting threes, but you really if you're if you're not making them, you don't want to take them. Right, you know, right. Just try to get something else. Try to get to the basket. If you if you know you're going to make four out of 16 threes, then just don't take them. You know, don't take take any. And try to get to the basket, get fouled. It's hard to do that. They're going to they're going to go back, but you can do it. You you can play and win without making a lot of threes. Teams have done it and and it's not the game today, but you know Hey, Rick, Rick Pitino. Hey, Rick Pitino wouldn't wouldn't uh, say what you just said. That's for damn sure. Well, he's a different guy. He's he plays a different style than most everybody else. And yes. He he takes thirty threes even if they're not making them. He doesn't care. They're they're going to shoot. It doesn't matter. His personnel. He can have me out there. Right. And I haven't looked at his numbers, but I don't think they're a really good shooting team at St. John's this year either. I haven't really looked at the numbers, so I probably shouldn't say that. But I don't, right. I don't think they got a lot of guys that can really shoot down there. <laughs> Zero, what, what's your take of, of, again, this the way you put together a team these days? And I, I think they can win games in the Big Ten. Now, again, last year they had Trace Jackson Davis, who was maybe the second best player in the country. So it's a little bit different than having Khalil Ware or Malik Renu or one of those guys or, or Baco. Um, but, I, I, you know, again – I, I just keep kind of going back to the fact that, like, you've got to adapt with with the changes in, in, and obviously the three-point line. And to build a team this way, I just don't think you can make a run in the NCAA tournament with this type of personnel. No, I agree. And this is going to be, and this is going to be hard uh, for them just to sustain any kind of consistent uh, consistency throughout the course of the year as well trying to win like that and uh just like you alluded to though jeff uh you know the, the game has changed a lot and it's uh it's kind of obviously it's it's one game it's the same game but just you know just kind of trends and the way that people want to play and the precedent is putting on certain things uh it, it fluctuates from time to time and it usually ends up coming back around in a circle but right now it's uh you know it's a it's a shooter's game uh it's almost like if, if you're a guy that can stand still in the corner and make that shot at a 50 or 60% rate when you're wide open, you can play regardless of what else you can do. Uh, and it did, and then it wasn't necessarily always like that uh, because if you aren't able, you aren't able to do other things on the defensive end. A lot of coaches wouldn't be able to play. You don't feel like they could trust you out there on the floor, but it's going to be hard to sustain this now and this, in this current climate. But uh, I think two, the two big things, uh, you know, kind of like what coach Bayham said, can you win this way? Absolutely. Uh, it's still possible, but I think two big things for those guys. If you're going to have all those guys out there, those big fours who can make a shot every blue moon, but that's kind of not their forte, uh, I think, one, you got to get to the free throw line a lot more. And uh, number two, they got to find a way to go just get some extra possessions off the offensive glass. You know, they got to use their, their size and their athleticism to generate some extra possessions, get some tipping in, some putbacks or some more free throws or foul shots off second chances to try to generate enough points to win games. They yeah. ran against Kansas. They, they well, ran, Jim. You know, yeah, what well, they the other thing, 
you know, you have to understand when you roster construct, I mean, we recruited guys here that were pretty good shooters and they just have not shot well in, in some games and in other games they do. So there's inconsistencies there, but irregardless, it's easier if you can make nine, 10 threes, but if you don't, you can still win games. You can, you absolutely can still win games. You just have to, like Darrell said, you have to get to the foul line. You have to get some extra possessions. You got a couple of big guys get on the boards. Uh, it's harder, but you know, teams that are really good shooting teams that don't do a lot of other things, they get in the tournament sometimes and they don't make some threes and they lose. They go home. Yeah, I, I think Kansas is one of those that I kind of worry about, right? Not a great shooting team this year. I, listen, there's no better coach in the country than Bill Self, right? We know that. But if mm-hmm. if you have to, it's hard sometimes to have to, to fight to get a basket and, and they don't have shooters. Your best shooter is Hunter Dickinson. And they don't have guys that can really go manufacture something either that are going to be, be able to put it on the floor. Their point guard, DeJuan Harris, is awesome, but that's not his game either. So I just feel like the two things you can never have enough of right now are shooters and point guards. Like, I just think you need three point guards in case somebody gets hurt. And, and to me, you can never have enough shooters right now. And and that's, that's the to me, the worry, um, you know, with putting together a team like that with too many fours and fives. And again, maybe when Xavier Johnson gets back, it'll, it'll give them a little bit of jolt because they're going right now with Gabe Cups, who's a small freshman point guard. And uh, he plays his butt off, and he's a coach's kid who knows how to play. He played with Reed Shepard on the AU circuit. He was fun to watch. But you have to surround him with shooters, like, that's the key with a kid like that. Like, he could be really good if you have four shooters around him, but not if you have no shooters around him, which is kind of what you have right now, Jim. Well, if you look at the country, there's, you know, any to win tournament games, you need a point guard. You need some guys that can shoot. You need somebody that can play in the middle, even if people think, you, you know, centers are not valuable. They're still valuable. And, you know, you need balance. And, you look around the country, there's a lot of teams that fit into that category. Clemson, Duke, North Carolina could get there uh, in our league. In Arizona, can get there. Obviously, Kansas. Uh, you, you, Mich- Michigan State will get back. Uh, obviously, uh, we know Purdue is there. Um, there's a, Kentucky's good. Look, you can just keep naming names. Auburn's good. Mississippi's undefeated. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams out there. I still like Connecticut best uh, in my mind until something changes. Um, I like their team, their toughness, their veterans, and the big guy is he's a he's a problem down there. He, he's only going to get better. Remember, he only played about ten minutes a game last year, so he's a difference maker. He really is. And Donovan Klingon still isn't 100% right now. I mean, he's coming back from the preseason foot injury. Then the other foot has bothered him a little bit uh, early this season. So we haven't seen yet the best for Donovan Klingon and the UConn Husky. Next up, we're going to go rapid fire at Jim Beheim. I'm going to ask him who the best coach he ever coached against was. Next, Field of 68 After Dark.
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your, to your existing account instead of having to create new account accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today all right jeff goodman here jim Beheim, jerell mcneil field of 68 after dark and this is my favorite segment when you're on jim i'm not gonna lie when, when we just hit you it's like we pepper you it's it's almost like we get the fungo out and we just start peppering ground balls at you bring it uh, out i don't want to hit line drives with you i don't want to hurt you but uh, we're we're going to start. Uh, who is the best coach you ever coached against in your career? I'll answer that this way. John Thompson is the best defensive coach I've ever seen. His teams just came at you for 40 minutes with everything they had, and they obviously had talent too, but they were so physical, so good defensively, by far the best defensive teams. The toughest guy, Rick Patino, did more things, matchup zones, man-to-man, um, press, um, multiple different offensive schemes. Uh, Rick won an NCAA tournament with, I think, at Louisville with nobody that was really recruited on the team very hard. And, of course, he won at Kentucky with really good players one year too. But he, he does the most – he gets the most out of players, uh, I think, of any coach. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski is the best coach at putting together a program and, and getting it to where it has to, it's there every year and comes at you every year with talent and good, good defense, good fundamentals. Dean Smith was like that when he was at Carolina, multiple different things, but you can't really pick when you're, when you coach for 50 years, like, like I did. You, yeah. you really can't pick one or two. I mean, there's so many great coaches that I got to coach against. Jim Calhoun is another one that I think is very underrated uh, for what he did at Connecticut and the way he coached physical, tough, rebounding teams that didn't give you an inch ever. Um, you know, I mean, those are just a few guys that come to mind uh, that, that I respect as coaches. Um, I Coached against Coach Knight at the end, but I watched his teams play. When he was in Indiana, he had the best team I've ever seen, the 76 team, in terms of a cohesive basketball team, defensively and offensively. I mean, 
UCLA had better teams talent-wise with Walton and Jabbar and, you know, all those guys. But Indiana had, you know, good players. I think, you know, probably, you know, obviously with uh, Benson at center and, and Curtis uh, or uh, Scott May. At forward, Scott May was probably the best player on that team. Quinn Buckner was good. Uh, point guard, uh well, Bobby Wilkerson was good. Nobody may be great, but they were the, the best team I've ever seen. I saw them embarrass teams, just defensively, just take teams out of everything they were trying to do. Good teams and just run out 24 to three or something. And the three wow. the team got was lucky. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I got an opportunity to coach a lot against a lot of just unbelievable, great, great, coaches and uh i coached against the russian coach that won the olympics really didn't win it but they gave it to him but uh <laughs> he was a really really good basketball coach and uh you know there's a lot of good european coaches that are really good but uh we're fortunate in this country we have great coaches i mean i haven't even touched the, some of the great coaches pete carrell john cheney best defensive zone coach I've ever seen. People give me credit for zone defense. John Chaney had the, the best zone defense wow. um, I've seen. And Roley's matchup the year that they won it was the best matchup, best zone anybody's ever played. They they just beat everybody with that defense. You couldn't score against them. Really, really good teams. I think it was North Carolina might have had 45 points against them or something that year. And uh, – People forget Villanova right. lost their two, last two. All right, conference this is rapid games. fire. Hey, we got Jarrell oh, yeah. wants to get in a question here. Rapid <laughs> fire. All right, I'm trying to avoid my the tough questions here. <laughs> You're going to go through every coach you ever faced. You can just keep it going and and go over and then just cut it back in there whenever you want. <laughs> All right, Jarrell. Well, I I got I got an easy one for you, Coach, and uh, and this is just me personally getting the opportunity just to compete against you guys in the old Big East, and uh, even before I got there, having an opportunity to watch and like and like along the lines we just talked about with the zone defense. Could you just talk a little bit just about and this is my outside perception looking at it. I thought you guys were very always very intentional about the way you recruited the wings for the zone. Uh, yeah, we need just the length. And guys that can stretch the floor usually as well, too. Well, we could use length and skinnier guys because it's not man-to-man where you got to be physical. You just, you're playing your space. You're not really going back and guys aren't backing you down or using their body against you. So we could use length, and that's better in the zone, especially at the guard spot. Um, you know, we had Michael Carter-Williams one year, 6'6", six, six, and Brandon Trish, 6'4", big wing guys. I mean, that's – you know, and, and we, we worked at the zone. We made it our defense. When, when we were 50-50, our zone was okay and our man-to-man was okay. But when we went all zone, our zone got better and uh, was really good, especially good in the tournament because you remember you play Thursday and then you got to play Saturday. So if you play us on Saturday, you got to practice one day against our zone. That's not that easy to prepare against in one day. So I felt it always gave us an advantage in tournament play, the preseason tournaments or the NCAA tournament. I thought in, in when nobody else is playing zone, 
that gives you a little a little edge too. But uh, yeah, zones are good when you work on them, and we did recruit specifically to get certain types of players. And I mean, but we could, Jerry McNamara was a small guard and we won the national championship with him. So you can play any defense with any size if you figure out how to do it. All right, Jarrell and I talked earlier and I always said, I don't want to tell you this, but but I I will. (laughs) The the toughest kid I ever saw play in, in AAU was Paul Harris. The toughest yeah. dude I ever saw. Yeah. Who was the toughest player? And he played for you, obviously, at Syracuse. Yeah. You know, unfortunately for Paul, if the rule hadn't been in place that you had to go to college, he might have been able to be a first-round pick out of high school. Uh, he was that dominant uh, yeah. coming out. Maybe, you know, maybe not. But but certainly, he was tough as hell. He was so tough. Who yeah. was the toughest guy you, you ever coached? The toughest Paul's guy you ever coached. Paul's not in the top ten because – Paul was the strongest looking and looked the toughest, but he wasn't tough. He didn't like contact, and uh, he wanted to shoot threes. And it's funny because, you know, I was always on him. And he finally came back a couple years ago and says, walked into my office and says, Coach, you know, you were right. I shouldn't have been taking those threes. <laughs> but he was, a, he was a different kind of player. Toughest guy ever coach was uh, Sherman Douglas was right there. He would street fight you any day of the week and any time, any place. And it didn't matter how big you were. Uh, He's probably the toughest all around player I had. And then the next probably Derek Coleman. I think everybody that played against Derek Coleman, college or pro was a little bit afraid of him. He he was, he was, he was scary. He was, he was a scary I heard a couple – I'm not going to mention their names, but a couple really good NBA power forwards who did not want to play against Derek Coleman. <laughs> and he, he what else you got, Terrell? You got one more? <laughs> yeah, my last one would be uh, just uh, – I, I would ask, Coach, what, what, uh, which conference have you enjoyed coaching in? Uh, just with the back end of your career, giving the opportunity to go against some, you know, some absolute legends in the ACC, but also just the historic line and all those years in the in the Big East, the original Big East, the reconstructed Big East. So uh, I would just ask him which one he enjoyed more. Well, we had we were Big East team. That's what we were born with. That's where we grew up, and we had a run of ten to fifteen years in the Big East where we were the best conference. Uh, hands down. And uh, it's just what I knew. The ACC is completely different. We had to go because of football. And it's a great conference. And, you know, it's it was – we struggled at times, but we did well in the tournament most of the years that we were in the NC in the, in the ACC. But I'm a Big East guy. I mean, that's where I grew up. We played before the Big East was even born. We played St. John's and Boston College and all all the Big East teams, Pittsburgh, all those teams. So uh, I'll always be a Big East guy. But the ACC is a great league and uh, football driven. You have to be in a football league, and that's where that's where we ended up. But I. I enjoyed the rivalries and the games. And, the, and the, even when Marquette came in, we had a great rivalry with Marquette. We had great games with Marquette. At Marquette, 
and Syracuse and the Trump. We had great games. You had great games with a lot of people. It wasn't just one. We, you know, it was Connecticut or it was Georgetown or St. John. And that was just the league. And when it was nine teams, you had rivalries with all those teams. Once it expanded and once all those things, it probably lost a little bit of that. At the end, the Big East was all over the country. You know, it was in Ohio and Wisconsin, Florida. Well, listen, we appreciate having you, Jim. Always, you know, you got an open invite. Always after dark. Darrell McNeil, I'm Jeff Goodman. Make sure you stick around. Last Call on Stadium is next. Thanks for joining us.